Uh, stand with me. Let's read a little bit from Psalm 4. Why is everyone hungry for more? More, more, they say. More, more. I have God's more than enough. More joy in one ordinary day than they get in all their shopping sprees. At day's end, I'm ready for sound sleep. For you, God, have put my life back together. Father, I thank you for your word. I thank you for the power and the grace and the life that are in your word. I thank you for the presence of the Holy Spirit in this place today. I don't think that it's an accident that, that the, the, the reality of the Holy Spirit is so manifest here today. And so speak to our hearts, Lord. Make us alive. In Jesus' name, amen. You may be seated. Uh, four questions about death. We're going to talk about death. We're going to talk about life this morning. In the last... Uh, Less than nine months, we've had three precious ladies leave us and go to be with the Lord. We've, had, we've also had three good men who have gone on to be with the Lord in the last nine months here. It's been, been kind of an unusual, unusual season for us. But, but four, four questions about death. And the first one, first one's pretty simple. I actually know the answer. Will I die? Yes, you will. And you may say, well, what, you know, what if I'm alive at the rapture? I mean, you know, when, when the Lord comes back. Okay, congratulations, my bad. <laughs> but for right now, yeah, yeah, you, uh, you actually will. Uh, you know, when, when, you're, when you're young, or when I was young anyway, death seems to be so remote and so far away and uh, and maybe something to be feared a little bit. But you get, you get older, or you get old. Actually, I have discovered that there are, are really four, four ages of mankind. There's a, a, a childhood, there's a youth. Actually, there's five. There's childhood, there's youth, there's maturity, there's old, and there's elderly. I still have something to look forward to. <laughs> some, some of you do as well. But... Uh, but when you get, when you get old, you, uh, it's not so far away, and it doesn't seem so remote. And actually, if you've been walking with the Lord, there's not a lot of fear necessary. In fact, there might even be a little curiosity. There might be a little, I'm, I'm wondering wonder what it looks like on the other side of that, uh, of that veil there. Uh, Paul says over in, in 1 Corinthians, if only for this life we have hope in Christ, we are of all people most to be pitied, and, and we normally pull this verse out when someone dies, and it's, and it's kind of like, it's, it's, it's a comfort, you know. Well, we do have hope in another life, but how about walking around hope? You know, for, I mean, it's not, I have hope in this life, but I've got, that's not the only place where my hope is. So, so death, that's not something to be feared. So will I die? Yes. Okay. How will I die? Stupid question. You don't want to know. I mean, you really don't want to know. I mean, how comforting would it be to know, no, you're not going to have a, a, a disease and lingering death. You're going to die in a fiery accident. Anybody on board for that? Okay. But if you know, okay, yeah, you're, you're going to die. 
with your boots off in bed, you know, uh, so you're not going to die in an accident. Then you can drive like an idiot and you might kill somebody. You don't want to know. Seriously. Uh, it does say over in Hebrews, people are destined to die once and after that they face judgment. So answer the first question, you're going to die? Well, yeah, you're destined to die. I mean, if you get out of it, great. Good, good on you. But, but you're, you're destined to die. And, and by the way, just, uh, uh, just let me say that um, when Jesus died on the cross, I, I, I know even some Christians sometimes have, have an issue with, well, do I believe in reincarnation or not? You know, well, you can believe what you want to, but this says you're going to die once. And uh, when Jesus died on the cross, uh, in terms of judgment and in terms of God, he broke that wheel of karma. You know, so it's not like, well, let me see what I deserve when I come back the next time. No, uh, die once, then face the judgment. So, okay, uh, yes, you will die. Uh, no, you don't even want to know uh, how. And then, uh, and then the third question, what happens after you die? I don't know. You know, I really don't. And if somebody tells you that they know, how? <laughs> Have you been there? Did you go there? And, you know, sometimes they go, well, yeah, I, 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 I did. And, and I don't know what to do with that. I mean, if you, if you read those books, that's great. If you find comfort in it, that's great. I will say this. Be cautious of somebody who outside of the realm of, of, of the Lord is going to give you some information about the other side, you know, and because they may be able to tell you stuff that oh, nobody could know that except for Uncle Fred who went on, not, not you, Fred, uh, Uncle Fred <laughs> who went on to the other side. You know, nobody could know that except this, this dear loved one that I have. Familiar spirits know. They know, and, and they're about deceiving. So, uh, you know, be, and you go, well, you know, if you get some comfort from them, why not? Because they're going to take you some other places that are not going to be good for you. So um, anyway, uh, over in Second Corinthians, Paul says that uh, we're always confident and know that as long as we're at home in the body, we're away from the Lord, for we live by faith, not by sight. And we're confident, I say, we prefer to be away from the body and at home with the Lord. I think that you probably, uh, when you, when you, when you go to the other side, I think that your body uh, may remain here. Well, it does remain here, but your, uh, your spirit and your soul go to be with the Lord. That's, that's what I think. And so if you want to know what I think, I just told you. If you want to know the answer, I don't know. But I'll tell you what I think. Uh, now, here's the question that we're going to talk about today, though, and this is the important question. And it's simply this. Did you live until your time of death? Sometimes it's hard to tell the living from the dead. Uh, and it's a particular problem in this digital age, in this age that basically is spent staring at screens. And this, and this, sometimes they're this size, and sometimes they're this size, and sometimes they're this. In this age of 24-hour fake news, whether it's fake or not, there's so much fake, you don't know what's real and, and what's, what's not real. Uh, we, in this age of 100 plus TV channels and some really good TV that's, that's going on, 
Uh, and when people mostly communicate behind their alter ego, which they are online, uh, you know, they go into, they get in front of the computer screen and they turn into a superpower or something that they can kind of present whatever they want to be. Uh, in, in this age that not only has, has fake news, but it has fake food and it has, it has fake ads and it has fake phone calls. I don't know if anybody ever gets a fake phone call. Um, less than 10 times a day, and, and fake lives. Because if you put enough fake in, fake is what goes out. So it's a particular problem in this day and age. What's the answer? Well, the answer, I do know this one, is God. That's the answer. A, a, an awareness of God. Uh, Peterson says this, and I mentioned a couple of weeks ago that this series is uh, looking at different topics from uh, Run With the Horses from Eugene Peterson's book. It's a study of the life of Jeremiah. And he says that uh, an awareness of God in our lives makes us alive. He says in, in Jeremiah's life, we can see that excellence comes from a life of faith, from being more concerned with what God is doing than what we're doing, it does not come from comfort, has nothing to do with comfort or achievement or esteem. really doesn't. A, a truly excellent life may not receive any esteem from people around. Uh, Jeremiah was not a popular man, and he certainly wasn't comfortable all the time. And a lot of people didn't necessarily recognize what, what he was achieving. But we don't know their names. We know his. Yeah. Why is everyone hungry for more? More. More. They cry. More. More. I have God's more than enough. And I have more joy in an ordinary day than they have in all their shopping sprees. I, uh, I've asked uh, someone to come up who really enjoys shopping sprees. And uh, not only that, really enjoys special things and planning special things, but has really learned the secret of the joy of an ordinary day. So Arwen, would you come up? This is my oldest daughter. Isn't she beautiful? Um, so before I came in here, I was teaching preschool kids chapel, and I was trying to rush back in to hear Johnny G, because I heard him saying first service. And if you want to get a little slice of what my childhood was, it would be myself and Valerie and my dad, and sometimes my brother, if he was in the mood, like singing that song in the car on the way to school, top of our lungs. So that was a little slice. Um, I'm happy to be speaking this morning. Uh, most of you know that uh, a little over eight months ago, my mom went home to be with the Lord. And um, the day that mom passed away uh, it was in the morning. So after we finished everything at hospice, dad and I drove to Murfreesboro to meet with uh, the funeral directors. And after that was around... Uh, noon, and so we decided to go get some lunch. And we went to a place in Murfreesboro called Clearview. Some of you might have been there before, really good meet and three, super good food, uh, very small, com compact space, and tables are very close together. And um, Dad and I figured out pretty quickly that if you have lost your mom and your wife of 43 years, it is probably not the day to go to public lunch 
and, you know, try to sit there and eat amongst people. So we're talking back and forth and both kind of breaking out into tears and then laughing that we even came here uh, and tried to do this. And um, in the middle of that lunch, uh, he asked me if, um, if I would like to speak at my mom's funeral. And I said, I don't know. And um, he said, really? You know, I think that caught him off guard because I definitely don't mind speaking. And my mom and I were so close that, um, that I just, I said, I don't know, because really that was what the problem was, is that my mom and I were so close. She was so big in my life. And I didn't know if I would ever be able to find the right words to say that could even possibly summarize who she was to me, that could honor her enough. And um, so I said, I don't know, and uh, I need to think about it. And I went home, and I, I thought about it. I probably talked to Jeremy about it. And sometime either that evening or the next day, I, um, I told him, yes, you know, I'll definitely speak. And he said, that's good, because your brother and your sister are. So that, <laughs> oh, okay. Um, so I uh, sat down at my laptop and I started just typing um, my memories of my mom. And really quickly into that process of typing about her, I, uh, I just saw this pattern kind of emerge. And um, it was really just all of the ordinary things that my mom and I did together. And I thought back to about, probably about 10 years ago on a Mother's Day uh, here in this room, after my dad preached a sermon, he showed a video. Uh, and if you've been here long enough, you might actually remember this, but he showed this video and it's the only time I've ever seen it. So I may or may not remember it accurately, but what I remember is this mom basically said, I spent my whole time raising my children kind of focusing on the big things, like you know, what felt very, very important. And it wasn't until after they left that I realized that the important things had been all of the ordinary days we had spent together. And she had a bunch of examples, but I only remember one, which was milk, like in the fridge, gallons of milk. And she talked about how when her kids were at home, they would go through like ridiculous amounts of milk. Um, like limiting how much the kids could drink because they would go through so much milk. And after her children had left home, she just remembered this visual of like opening the fridge and the milk was there, no one drinking it. And I'm, I'm like crying. I'm just bawling throughout this video, which is not really very normal for me. I'm not a huge crier. And I remember looking at Jeremy and I said, oh my gosh, I'm just so sad for when our kids grow up and they leave. And he was like, we don't even have kids. <laughs> and I said, I know, but I could just already feel it. And um, that day really planted a seed in me. And it was, it was an important seed to be planted, especially pre-becoming parents. Um, because like my dad kind of mentioned, I am somebody that's drawn towards the big and the special. And I love going to a party. I love planning a party. I like having a full calendar of exciting things going on. I, I will always be at your wedding. I will be at your baby shower. I'll probably, you know, be early and stay late. And, and um, if you know me at all, then you know that I love vacations, like on a next level. I will plan every minute of a vacation. I want to research it all. And as soon as it's over, I'm already online trying to book something 
for like the next year. So I am wired to love the special. So it was a good seed to be planted in me, not to scorn the ordinary. So going back to typing on my laptop, I um, started looking at what I had written and I did not write about um, Christmas mornings. It didn't even cross my mind. Um, I didn't write about how calm and wonderful my mom was on my wedding day or when my kids were born. Um, I didn't think about the times we had traveled and all the places we had gone to. Um, The first thing that really came to my mind was sitting in my mom's office on the futon and how I would drop the boys off for Mother's Day out and then I would go and work with her. And usually that first hour was just me talking all the things that a mom thinks about and they just need to like tell somebody. And I thought about sitting on that futon years ago, picking out um, items for the cross hunt. And I thought about how my mom and I would sell costumes on eBay. And she was so good at that, by the way, because she would write these beautiful descriptions and then she would fold everything up perfectly and package it with like really nice tissue paper and a thank you note. And um, she was just so good at all the details. And I thought about her sitting in my classroom and grading papers. And I thought about all the times that we went to lunch, um, which was a lot. And a lot of times with Val or with the boys, and we would split chicken nachos with sour cream on the side because she, for some reason, did not like sour cream, which is beyond my understanding. Um, so these are the things that I thought about, you know, when I thought about, like, what made my relationship with my mom so amazing. And um, one of my most vivid memories was Jeremy and I moved next door to my parents back in 2008. So we got to live beside my parents, and we still do live beside my dad, uh, for over a decade. And a couple years into living there, my mom had always suspected that we had wild blackberries somewhere on the property, but she found them. And so we made it our mission, like every summer, to go get those berries. And blackberry season is long. It can be a month. Uh, Sometimes June, sometimes July. We put on jeans, boots, socks, long shirts, bug spray, because there are thorns everywhere. And we would be just dripping sweat and like 100 degrees out there picking blackberries every single day, like our families were depending on us or something. So, I mean, we had a vengeance with those. But um, the ordinary day, um, the ordinary day, is what makes our life. It's um, precious beyond anything that I can put into words. I thought about the ordinary, ordinary conversations I have with Jeremy in the evening or our routine that you run in the morning or um, just kind of like the wash, rinse, and repeat that you probably do at work every single day. And um, it's precious. So I'm thankful uh, for the eyes to see. I'm thankful to the Lord for that gift of the ordinary day. If your ordinary day is not enough, I know why. There's not enough God in it. Because if there's enough God in your ordinary day, more than enough. Peterson says it's those who practice 
those persons who are conscious and practice the presence of God, participating in what God is doing, those are the ones who are the most alive. Those, those are the ones who are, are, are the most human. Uh, and an ordinary day can turn into an extraordinary day, bam, just like that. Really can. But it starts out ordinary. It has to be ordinary before it can turn into something else. Uh, and uh, most of the time it's at work. Moses was at work. You know, saw a bush burning. Okay, big deal. Uh, because in the wilderness that, that would happen in the heat. But paid enough attention to go, oh, it's not being consumed. I need to check this out. You know, and sometimes all we need to do is pay enough attention to, to, to check things out. David was, was at work. His brothers and everybody else went to the big event with Samuel, and he's out in the field, you know, and he finally gets a, hey, they want you too, you know. And the next thing he knows, he's being anointed king over, over all Israel. Uh, Peter and, 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 and Andrew and James and John, they were, they were, they were, they were fishing, but that was their work uh, when Jesus comes by. Uh, Matthew. He was at work, and he had a desk job. He, he, was, he, was, he was a tax collector. You know, he had, a, he had a, a, an office job. Um, Isaiah was in church. But you know, if the only time you are expecting to encounter God is in church, then you are impoverished spiritually. Very, and in fact, if you have to go to church to encounter God... You're, in, you're impoverished. I mean, please do come and get, get, your, get your, your fill up because you need it. But if that's the only time you get it, Nathaniel was sitting under a fig tree chilling. When all of a sudden his ordinary day turned into an extraordinary day. Valerie was at Joey's house of pizza. And I have asked her to come and share about an ordinary day turning into an extraordinary one. This is my youngest daughter, and she too is beautiful. Apparently, I'm more beautiful without my coat on. My sister was like, are you going to take off your coat? What are you doing? Uh, Hi, everybody. I'm Valerie, um, and I love pizza. (laughs) That's what we're going to talk about. Yeah. No, really, though, I really love pizza. Um, It's Food is like a love language for me. Like, I'm a big cook, and I'm very into health food and other stuff like that. But give me a good block of cheese or some sourdough bread or a really good pizza, and I'm in heaven. Like, it's it's my favorite thing. Um, Another thing that I love very, very much was my mother. Uh, My mom was my best friend. And when she got diagnosed with cancer, I'm going to be honest, my appetite went out the window. Um, I'm a stressed not eater because it steals the joy out of all the food I love. I go to eat. It has no flavor. It makes me angry. Um, It just, it sucks all the fun out of it. So when she was going through her cancer treatments, I just had a really hard time having an appetite. I did. Um, About twice a week, God would like punch me with it, be like, yo, you're hungry. And anytime I'd get a strong appetite, I always got pizza. I was like, all right, let's capitalize on this. Let's go get a pizza. I'm going to take it down. Um, a lot of times when that would happen, I would be out of town. I was working out of town at the time. 
And so I would uh, go out to get pizza alone, and I would go out to a restaurant and, you know, sit there by myself and date myself, which is fantastic, and I highly recommend it. Uh, <laughs> but I would be sitting there at the restaurant by myself, and it was back in February of this last year. I'm at this Italian place. I have this fantastic pizza, and I see tiramisu on the menu. The only thing that I like more than pizza is tiramisu. Tiramisu is my favorite dessert in the entire world. Can I get a hallelujah? Um, it's so good. Um, and it's actually another thing that mom and I shared. The first time I ever had it, I was in Chicago with my mom. It brings back great memories. She loved tiramisu too. And we had this fantastic plan. Uh, her cancer was gonna go into remission. I was gonna book a TV show, and then I was gonna fly us to Italy, and we were going to eat pizza every day and take in all the art and eat tiramisu every single night. That was our plan. We talked about it in the hospital, we would dream about it, we'd talk about, you know, we're going to Italy. Um, so it's February, I'm sitting at this restaurant, I see they have tiramisu on the menu, and I want some, but I was a total girl about it. Um, I'm already there alone. I'm gonna eat this whole pizza by myself. I feel a little ashamed also than getting dessert. I don't need it, but I want it. Um, and so I say to God, God, you know, I really want tiramisu, but I wish I had somebody here to share it with. Like, you know, just, I'll just take a bite. Like, I just wish I had somebody to share it with. And then he was like, or what if I had somebody buy it for you? And I said, yes. Hey God, tell you what. You have somebody offer to buy me tiramisu, I'll eat the whole slice by myself, that's fine. Um, so I'm waiting. No, it never happens, okay, dang. But this becomes a running joke in my dialogue with God for the next several months. Every time I go out to get pizza, I'm like, yo God, you gonna have somebody buy me that tiramisu? What's going on? Um, and it never happens. I mean, super bratty, right? Like a little kid like, hey daddy, who's gonna buy my dessert? Um, <laughs> Never, never happens. This goes on since February. We talk about it a couple times a week. Um, another thing that would sadly never happen in the physical realm is my trip to Italy with mom. Unfortunately, she lost her battle to cancer instead of it going into remission like we had wanted. Um, and uh, many of you attended her funeral service. It was wonderful. I got to speak at it. Um, the very next morning, we did a private burial for her. And I'm driving home that afternoon from her burial, thinking of all the things that I need to do before I get home, because I know once I get home, I'm doing nothing. Um, and one of the things I think about is dinner. And I'm like, okay, buried your mom today. You need to get something good for dinner. You need to do that for yourself. And this thought pops in my mind, Joey's house of pizza. If you don't know, Joey's is this legendary pizza place in Nashville, and they have the best New York-style pizza, bar none, in the city. But they are only open Monday through Friday from 11 to 3. You literally only have 20 hours in your day where you could go get this pizza. It's very frustrating. And so I look at the time. I look at my GPS, I'm like, oh my gosh, I could be there by 2.40, this is perfect, I'll get it to go, I'll have this pizza for dinner. Thank you, God, okay, something that I can be excited about stays looking up. Um, you know, what are you gonna do? You gotta, you gotta rally. So I go to Joey's, order my pizza, I'm waiting in line, and I look in the case, and of course, what do I see? Tiramisu. 
Y'all, we buried my mom that morning. I'm getting dessert. Like, uh-uh, there's no shame. Uh, so immediately I tell the lady, I'm like, and a slice of tiramisu to go, too. I'm holding it because it takes a minute for them to make the pizza, but they already have the dessert made. So I'm holding the tiramisu, and I look down at it. And then I look up, and I'm like, all right, God. I cave. I'm throwing in the towel. I'm buying my own tiramisu. You win. Haha, I'm going to stop being a brat and grow up and, and get this dessert. Waiting to check out, and I've literally just said, I'm throwing in the towel, God. You win. And I get a tap on my shoulder. And a woman comes up hands me a $20 bill, and she says, I was at the service last night. I would like to buy your lunch. And I just start crying, because while it's a very sweet gesture, she doesn't know she didn't just buy my lunch. She bought the dessert I've been asking God to have. This happened for since February. Um, and there's no way to explain this without looking like an insane person. And we're in the middle of a restaurant. I'm already crying, so I just say, oh, I can't tell you how much that means I'm crying. And she's like, I'm crying too. And we do, you know, the girly snot thing where you hug and you're trying to stay dignified. Go to check out and pay. And I think, oh, I, I need to tell her the story to look around. She's already gone. I can't thank her. So I just go out to my car with my pizza and this box of dessert. And I look down on it. And God said, don't you ever doubt. I give you the desires of your heart. Don't you ever doubt that I care about everything as much as I care about you having that slice of tiramisu. Um, anyway, God is good. Also, side note, second time I went to Joey's, my brother didn't know that story, and he bought me tiramisu. <laughs> Since then, though, I've had to buy my own. So unfortunately, that streak didn't continue, but I got two. So thanks, God. <laughs> She uh, didn't mention it, but her dad has bought her a little bit of tiramisu in, in the uh, <laughs> intervening time as well. Peterson says it's the life of faith. In the life of faith, each person discovers all the elements of a unique and original adventure. You don't have to be a Meek or a Parker or a Hutchison or a McLeod. Each person a unique and interesting, original adventure. And, and, and that's exciting. Uh, are, you, are you looking for a, a spouse? Some of you here are looking for a spouse. How about letting God find them? You know, how about chilling and going, okay, God, let's see what, let's see what you got. Because he'll show you. Yeah. Are, are you. Are you struggling to make ends meet financially? How about... <laughs> How about entering into obedience in, in God's plan of tithing? You know, and, and some of you, I know, would be sitting there going, oh, he's talking about money, he wants our money. That is a lie from the devil to keep you in bondage. I want you to be free. I, I want you to experience the joy of an adventure. In God and have, having, having that kind of life, are you, are you bored with the same old, same old humdrum of your life or what is headed toward the same old, same old? You know, last week, Kevin talked about, okay, who's, who's the God of your life? Who, who is in control? How about, how about just turning it over to him and going, okay, I'm going to start listening and I'm going to start obeying. And, and, and maybe you might not want to do that because... Uh, <laughs> 
you know, he might ask you to do something inconvenient. He might ask you to do something uncomfortable. He might ask you to, he might, he might say, go and talk to that person. <gasps> I've never done anything like that before in my life. Well, just go see what happens. He might say, help out in that situation that you normally would have just, just walked by. He might say, serve. He might say, sacrifice. He, he, might, he might say, minister. He kind of, well, I, I'm, I'm kind of afraid to do that. Well, sometimes it's hard to tell the living from the dead, but if you're too afraid to listen to God and obey what he says, then I know which side you're drifting toward. I double dog dare you. To turn your life over to God and go, I'm going to start listening and I'm going to start obeying. Yeah. may not be a big thing. It might, might be a, a, a little thing or seem like a little thing. You're going to die. You're going to leave this life. But you can live all the way from here to there. The Welsh poet uh, Dylan Thomas uh, wrote a poem for his dad and it, and it ended up with these lines, Do not go gentle into that good night. Rage, rage against the dying of the light. Margaret went gentle into that good night because there was no darkness coming for her. The light was not dying. The God that she had walked with all of her life, that she had listened to and obeyed, he had done incredible things. He really had. You know, I mean, she, she came up to me after a, after a show and introduced herself, and she got me. <laughs> I did say sometimes you're called on to sacrifice. <laughs> ha! <laughs> yeah. But she didn't have to rage because the same God that she had been walking with from here to there was waiting there. The light wasn't getting dim, it was getting brighter. And she knew how to recognize it. And you can too.